Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, everybody. Some kind of a day for a podcast. Sorry about that. I was just uh, slipping into my bad baseball announcer voice because we're going to do a little sports talking on the show. As part of the show, welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I'm Ken Levine. This is episode number five. We do hope you subscribe and got a good show on hand tonight. Uh, baseball is going to start up here pretty soon. And so I may be talking a, a little sports uh, in the next few weeks. But today I have Josh Lewin on the program. Josh Lewin is the voice of the Mets, the Chargers, and the UCLA Bruins. Now, how the heck does he juggle all three teams and three sports and have one life? We'll find out from him. Also, I'm going to talk about my one night in Chicago radio. My only night on the Big 89 WLS. And audience testing is a mainstay of the industry, and I have the greatest testing story ever. So we have that, a lot more, a lot of fun. Let's get it going. But first, an audio montage of my credits. Okay, this is one of those me-in-radio stories. I kind of come off like a jerk in it, but still it's pretty funny and certainly worth sharing with you. WLS was a major, monster, top 40 AM radio station in the 60s and 70s. It came out of Chicago, and anybody who grew up in the Midwest knows all about the Big 89 WLS. But the great thing about that station, by being clear channel 
it meant that there were no other stations at night that had the 890 frequency. So when the ionosphere rose and you could pick up signals from distant cities, you could literally get WLS out of Chicago from coast to coast. I grew up in Los Angeles, and especially during the winter, I took my little red plastic radio and I would tune very carefully to 89 and there would be Dick Biondi playing the hits for the folks in the Windy City. It was very magical. I mean, the idea that some guy could be in a little studio in Chicago talking into an inverted tomato soup can and 2,000 miles away, I'm able to actually hear it I mean, that was magical. Of course, today, you can listen to this podcast anywhere in the world. But back then, man, to be on a blowtorch radio station that had that great a signal was unbelievable. Like I said, it was truly magical. Anyway, we go to 1988. And at the time, I'm working on Cheers. And my father, who was an executive in radio, as luck would have it, became the general manager of WLS in Chicago. So uh, he calls me early in the year and says, you know, we'd love for you to bring the family to Chicago for Thanksgiving. And I said, we'd be happy to do it, but only under one condition. Only if you let me do one all-night show on WLS. I always wanted to be on the Big 89. And he said, yeah, sure. He also was the general manager of their FM station, which at the time was doing really well. And he said, hey, I can put you on in the afternoons on the FM station if you want. I said, no, no, you don't get it. I want to be on in the middle of the night, coast to coast on WLS. And so he said, sure, okay, fine. So we show up at Thanksgiving and he decides to put me on the air that Wednesday night before, from midnight to six. And so I'm very excited, and uh, I go down to the station at night. And to set things up for you, WLS used to be a station where you had engineers that played all of the records, all of the jingles, all of the commercials, etc., etc. And the disc jockey only turned his microphone on and off. Yeah, those were the days of unions. Well, by 1988, the disc jockey was then running his own board, playing all of his own commercials, all of his own jingles, etc., etc. And so I would be running my own board, which was fine. I've run tons of boards. And as you know, I had been a disc jockey for years. You heard the uh, embarrassing Beaver Cleaver air checks. So the board itself was very standard. He had slide pots, one for the microphone, one to bring up the network news, one to bring up the phone if you wanted to talk to anybody on the phone, and the others for the cartridge machines to play all of the music, jingles, promos, commercials, etc. By 1988, you didn't play records, you played cartridges, and uh, they were very easy. You just uh, put them in the slot and hit the button, and away they went. So that was the scene, and I show up at the radio station at like 11.30 to go on the air at midnight, and I see that the disc jockey has a memo that my father had written. And my father had said this, Attention, 
my son Ken will be filling in doing the all-night show tonight. He didn't say Ken Levine will be filling in doing the all-night show. He said, my son. And, of course, the disc jockey on duty, and I do not remember his name. I feel bad. I owe this guy a dinner. Uh, You'll see why when I tell you the rest of the story. But um, he saw that. And he obviously figured, okay, this is some sort of vanity thing where the uh, general manager is going to let his kid go on a 50,000-watt radio station, uh, gets to play records for the first time in his life. So uh, so I show up, and he says, uh, hmm, listen, um, i got to leave at like 12.15, and there's no engineer here. We're going to have to get somebody in here to... Uh, run the board for you. And I said, because uh, I, I could figure out quickly what was going on, and I decided to have a little fun with this guy. So I said, oh, no, no, no. Dad said that I could run my own board, that I could do it all myself. And he goes, okay. And I said, so how do we do it? What do we do? And he says, well, okay, this is the control board. And I said, uh, where are the records? And he goes, no, no, we don't play records anymore. See, all of the songs are on cartridges. And I'm like, cartridges? What are those? You know, and he's like already starting to sweat. He goes like these. And he holds up one of the cartridges, which looks like a pack of cigarettes. And again, I knew full well what cartridges were. And he says, "Uh, okay, this is the cartridge. And I said, great, where do they go? And he says, uh, in these slots, see, we have eight cart machines. I mean, that was state-of-the-art back in 1988. Today, everything is on computer, and, and this is all completely obsolete. So I said, oh, okay, well, give me a second here. Let me take some notes. And by now, this poor guy is just dying. Again, WLS, 50,000-watt powerhouse, and this imbecile is going on the air unsupervised. So I go, okay, Got it. Carts go in those slots. And he says, all right, now on the board, here are numbers corresponding to the cart machines. So if you put something in cart five, it's number five on the board. Number five on the board. Got it. He's like biting his lip and he goes, okay, you turn the volume up and down with these slide pots. And I go, volume, that's what, how loud it is? He's just ready to kill my dad by this point. He goes, yes, that's how loud it is. You press the red button and it goes on the air. Simple enough. Where's the microphone button? That would be pot one. Okay, well, how do I hear the songs? He goes, well, you have these headphones. That's what they're for. No disrespect, but um, have you ever seen a radio show before? And I was very indignant. I said, of course I have. It's just that Dr. Johnny Fever didn't wear headphones when he heard the music. And this is just one of the many inaccuracies of WKRP in Cincinnati, by the way. And he said, yeah, well, you're going to need headphones. Okay, so by now, it was pretty much time for him to sign off and go to the five minutes of ABC Contemporary News at 55. So he does that, and he goes to the news, and he has me sit down. 
And I go, uh, okay, all right. Now, at the top of the hour, what do I do? And he says, you play a jingle. And I go, great. Which one? And he says, the one that says top of the hour. Oh, okay. He says, what's your first record? And I go, uh, you mean cartridge, don't you? Cartridge. He says, yes, yes. What's your first cartridge? So I selected some song and uh, very, very tentatively uh, put it into the machine. And he says, okay, now what you have to do when the news is over, you pot down the news here, you play the jingle here, and when it sings WLS Chicago, right after you hear Chicago, you play the, rec- the, the cartridge. Okay, wait, I got to write this down. Ooh, she's news. This is a jingle, Chicago cartridge. Uh, when do I turn my microphone on? He says, well, once the song starts. I said, well, and then I'm to, p- pushing two buttons at once. And he goes, well, look, you can turn it on earlier or later, whatever you want. Okay, let me give this a try. So sweat is pouring off this poor guy. So the news ends. I turn on my microphone. I look at my notes. I pot down the news, fire the jingle, blast the song. And when I hear the song, I go... It is 12 o'clock in Chicago. My name is Ken Levine. Yes, I use my real name for this one. I have been on the radio in Bakersfield, San Bernardino, Detroit, New York, San Francisco, San Diego, and Los Angeles, but never at the same time. This is WLS. And I talked right up to the vocal and turned the microphone off. And he goes, you asshole, you've done this before. I said, yes, of course. Do you think my father is going to put someone on a 50,000-watt radio station who's never been on the radio before? Well, uh, again, for the life of me, I don't know the name of that disc jockey. And this is a worldwide public apology. And by the way, being on WLS in the middle of the night was as totally super cool as I thought it would be. It was amazing. I was taking calls from people in Iowa and Florida and Georgia and California. It was just an amazing experience being on the Big 89. That was my one and only time on WLS. This is Hollywood and Levine, back with more right after this. So I log on to Netflix, and there on my homepage is a section of shows recommended for Ken, based, I suppose, on what I had watched before. But uh, these are the shows that they think I would like. Real Life Swamp Wife, The Crown, Escorts, Criminal Minds, Kimmy Schmidt, and Trailer Park Boys. It's really kind of disconcerting now that anytime you make any sort of choice on the Internet, that information is stored, and somebody somewhere tries to anticipate what you may like. And obviously, they're wrong. Swamp Wife, Escorts, Criminal Minds, Kimmy Schmidt, Trailer Park Boys, yeah, sure, but The Crown, me, Not a chance. 
Uh, I do watch Kimmy Schmidt, and it says, because I watched Kimmy Schmidt, I would also like Hurricane Bianca, Narcos, Bones, and Escorts. And because I watched Sherlock, I would obviously like Love Actually, How I Met Your Mother, I don't even know how these things tie in, Zootopia, and of course, Escorts. A few years ago, I was doing research for a pilot, and I had some questions about uh, wedding gowns. So I made the mistake of going on the internet and looking up some sites that had wedding gowns. Oh man, for the next year, I was just completely (laughs) inundated with bridal fair invitations and new looks for veils and trains and all this wedding stuff. And so I wonder... Those people who, over the last few weeks, heard the expression golden showers for the first time, I wonder if they made the mistake of looking it up on Google and what kind of spam they now receive. Anyway, I I am going to check out Escorts because it does sound pretty good. Welcome back to Hollywood and Levine. Well, one of the downsides of being a play-by-play announcer is you're always on the road. You're always traveling, and it can be a grind. If you're doing a baseball season, 162 games plus spring training, boy, by August and September, especially if your team is a dog, it does get to be a grind. So what is it like to be a Major League Baseball announcer an announcer for an NFL team, and also cover a college football program and a college basketball program. Well, Josh Lewin does all of that, and it's amazing to me how he can juggle it and keep it together. Recently, I had a chance to sit down with Josh. I I think uh, we were in the airport in Denver, and it was a 10-minute layover. Anyway, my conversation with Josh Lewin. You have three jobs. You do the Mets radio, you do the Chargers radio, Mm -hmm. and you do UCLA football and basketball radio. At what point does it become absolutely crazy with conflicts? Because you have one team playing in New York and the other team playing an hour later in San Diego. What do you do? Late September-ish is kind of uh, the imperfect storm. That that is absolutely true. Uh, The fact that they're all radio helps. I mean, it's not like I got to travel with TV makeup and ties and and blazers, you know. Uh So so now makeup takes up a lot of room. It really does, yeah. yeah especially when you got a face like me. So uh, there's, I guess there's there's a. Uh, there's a weird way to just kind of put everything in silos somehow where you you just kind of trick your mind into, okay, today is Mets Day. Okay, today is UCLA Day. And I've always wondered how racetrack announcers can know the names of 12 horses and then eight minutes later they know 12 different horses. I mean, how do they do that? How do they expunge everything they had to know and then get the other stuff? And I guess it really is just kind of a, a weird little muscle memory trick 
that, that you're able to uh, to pull off on yourself. Uh, that I have yet to have a Met in a Bruins game or a, a Charger <laughs> in a Mets game. Uh, knock wood. Have you ever missed a game? I missed uh, one quarter of a Chargers Green Bay preseason game because of a mechanical. Uh, coming out of JFK, where we literally sat on a plane for six hours on a sunny day. You must have gone nuts. Oh, I, I, I tore everybody a new one. I'm like, are you kidding me? And it was one of those flights that actually had a TV. So, you know, the game was on ESPN, and that was really off-putting to be still about 10,000 feet over California. And, you know, you're hearing, it wasn't Brent, but the whole, you are looking live. You know, I'm like, damn it. You know, I'm supposed to be there already. So uh, there, that was really the only one where I said I'd be somewhere and couldn't make it in time. But no, other than that, again, knock wood, everything's gone okay. Give me an example of, you mentioned in September when you have to bounce around from time to time. Give me an example of, say, a week. And where did you have to go? Well, let's see. The the, uh, the second weekend of September this past year was probably high tide. That that was a Mets game somewhere east on a Friday. I had UCLA against UNLV in Pasadena on a Saturday. So it was a, a 6 a.m. flight uh, out of New York to get to L.A., head to the Rose Bowl, get ready for that. And then the Chargers had the indignity of opening their season in Kansas City on the Sunday with a noon kick. And Kansas City, as you know, Ken, is not an easy place to get in and out of, uh, nor would you really want to. But uh, that's where they were. And the only shot I had was to – UCLA was really cool about it. They let me blow off the postgame show. Uh, They arranged for me to get an escort out of the um, stadium. Uh, There was like a motorcycle cop that took me kind of like on a side street that you're not supposed to go on. And was able to get to LAX in time to fly through Vegas to hook up with a, can I say Spirit Airlines and and, and MF them without (laughs) anybody getting mad? They're horrible. Uh, But that was the only shot I had was to get to to Kansas City, was was getting to Vegas in time to get this weird 1.20 a.m. flight to Kansas City. Uh, And and it worked out. Everything was fine weather-wise. And then I landed Kansas City at, I think, 7 and kickoff was noon, and then flew out of Kansas City right after the game to get to D.C., where the Mets were arriving to play Monday afternoon against the Nationals. So that's an extreme example. I mean, that's kind of two coasts and and four games in two different sports, or actually three different sports, really, kind of glopped together over maybe 90 hours. But, uh, you know, I I knew that there would be ones like that when I I took all this on, and and thankfully they're they're rare. And finally, there was a day when you did both a football game and a baseball game in two different cities. Talk about that. That was my Mount Everest. That was because it's there. I want to see if I can make this climb. The the Chargers had a 1 o'clock kick, and UCLA's game that night, basketball game, was at... Seven or was it six? Uh, it was six. Cause I, okay, because seven would have been too easy. Yeah, it, it was a six o'clock tip, and I figured, okay, if this game actually ends, the Chargers game actually ends at four ten, four fifteen. If I can find a way to helicopter or you know some sort of weird little two seat plane, you know, it's only a forty minute flight. So the math worked out, but everything had to go right. I, again, needed kind of the escort out of the stadium to, to get into a waiting car that took me to a waiting plane. 
uh, and I traded the guy out a bunch of Chargers tickets for his time. Uh, just had to pay him for the fuel, which was a couple hundred bucks. But I mean, you know, that's just what you got to do. Okay, wait, wait. So this happened twice because I remember during the World Series, World you Series, had a I did similar that too. Thing. Yeah. So this most recent one, yeah, I, I got to uh, Santa Monica Airport at five forty. Walked into Pauly at five fifty-five for a six o'clock tip. That, that that one that one was pretty pretty cool. Uh, but no, the other one you're right, and I actually had some time to spare on this one. As it turned out, was yeah, it was Game Five of the World Series with the Mets and the Royals, where um, the Chargers happened to be playing in Baltimore. And again, had they been playing somewhere else, if they'd been playing back on the West Coast, there's no way this happens. But one o'clock kick, uh, game ends uh, pretty much right on time, 4.10, 4.15. Got a flight, one of these little two-seater jobs, and I actually had to pay a lot more than 200 bucks for, for this one. But, you know, you do what you got to do. Uh, it is tax-deductible, I found out. And, uh, yeah, went up to, uh, to LaGuardia from Baltimore, landed at, I think, maybe 6, and World Series games don't start till like, 8.15. So I, you know, I actually walked in the stadium, had time to get some food and fill out my scorecard. But yeah, th- that's an adrenaline rush. And, and, I, and the thing I remember about that one, which was kind of neat, was I had to be packed. Had the Mets won that night, which we were all rooting for, they would have had to go right to Kansas City uh, to to resume the rest of the World Series. So I, I was packed. I had all these clothes with me just in case I had to, after Game 5, get on the Mets plane to go to KC. And instead, I just took a subway back to my apartment and just crashed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm exhausted hearing about no, it. No, it's fine. But you know what, though? It's not like I'm going off to read actuarial tables. <laughs> I'm not going off to work at Taco Bell. I mean, this is fun. I mean, this is what I've always wanted to do ever since I was a kid. And you, you go where the work is. You know, I mean, I, I, I consider myself to be a... Uh, a working actor, you know, so to speak. You know, I mean, if, if you're if you're rich and famous and 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 the absolute top of your craft, you know, you you wait until your phone rings and you say, I, I only want brown M and M's and I'll only work on Thursdays or whatever. But uh, you know, these are great gigs for great people. I'm doing what I love, and if I gotta, you know, move a mountain or two here and there, so be it. Here's my favorite testing story. Testing is so prevalent in television and motion pictures for that matter. I mean, networks just rely on test results to make their decisions. But this is not something that is new or even something that is recent over the last 20, 30 years. My favorite testing story takes place in 1939, and it involves a classic movie called Nanachka. Nanachka was a comedy that was written by Billy Wilder, and Billy Wilder was a great writer-director. He did such movies as Sunset Boulevard and Some Like It Hot, One, Two, Three, Ace in the Hole, Double Indemnity, Witness for the Prosecution. I mean, on and on and on. Just a brilliant body of work. And the director was Ernst Lubitsch, who made wonderful, sophisticated comedies. And people talk about the Lubitsch touch, that he had just a just an elegance about him. And his comedies were just fine souffles that always rose. So Nanachka was finished, and they decided to test it by having a preview screening 
in Long Beach one night. And back then, you know, you didn't have computers or anything. You just handed out um, questionnaires to people and they just filled them out. So they go down to uh, Long Beach. They screen the movie. They get a stack of these questionnaires back. And Lubitsch and Wilder are in the limo. And they're heading back home to Hollywood. And Lubitsch is reading one after the other after the other. And eventually, he just busts up laughing. And he hands the questionnaire to Billy Wilder. And this is what it said. And to me, it's just the greatest line about testing ever. This guy said, this movie was so funny, I almost peed into my girlfriend's hand. Think about it. Back after this. Cue the background music, Fred. It is time to get the hell out of here. That is going to do it for this edition of Hollywood and Levine, episode number five. Our thanks to Josh Lewin, also to Adam and Susie Butler, and to Howard Hoffman, and of course to you guys for listening. Once again, I am pleading for you to subscribe. Also, if you like what you hear, uh, please give me a five-star review. Uh, It really does help. I don't know what, but it really does help. Next time, got a lot more good stuff. Again, thanks so much for spending some time with me. I'm loving the background music here. I will see you next time. Get off the treadmill. Bye-bye.